0: It's Radio Free 501C, the voice of Rogue Tulips Consulting. I'm Cecilia Sepp. Don't forget to subscribe. We're on all your favorite podcast services. This week, I'm joined again by Mike Bober, CAE, of the Pet Advocacy Network, because he's just too interesting not to have back. We're talking about clean Your Expertise. Welcome to Episode 213. Hey everybody, it's Monday, October 9th, and that means it's time for another episode of Radio Free 501C. I'm your host, Cecilia Supp. I'm the principal and founder of Rogue Tulips Consulting. I'm a certified association executive and a certified nonprofit professional. Welcome back to the podcast and this week's exciting topic Before we dive in and I introduce my guest, I would like to say good morning, good afternoon, or good evening to our global audience, wherever you may be. And thanks to everyone for listening this week. So returning guest, he's already been on once this year, and now he's back because he's just way too interesting not to talk to. Mike Bober from the Pet Advocacy Network is here, and we are talking about claim your expertise. But before we start that part of the conversation, Mike, welcome back. And would you like to say hello and tell us a little about yourself?
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Cecilia. First of all, uh, thank you all to the audience for having me back. And uh, uh, I have to say the last conversation went so well that uh, it was nice to see that this one was uh, was able to come together so quickly. You know, I think one of the things that I really loved about the the last time we spoke was that it really kind of could have gone in any number of of additional directions but but one of the things that i took away from it really was this this question of you know you've got the tools but not everybody is is ready to be taken seriously about things and and i think that's something that that all of us need to to kind of make peace with so it's a a good opportunity for us to talk about it uh as as you said i'm the uh the president ceo of the pet advocacy network we are a uh, 501c6 trade association representing the responsible pet care community we represent everybody from food and product manufacturers to retailers distributors service providers and breeders and suppliers of of animals and uh yeah we're uh, I'm also a CAE, uh, thanks in part to some of the uh, the great advice that you gave, actually. Uh, and I am just eager and looking forward to having this conversation.
0: Well, wonderful. And always glad to hear that uh, some of the other things I do is helpful to someone get ready for CAE and maintaining it. So, yes. and I think we all know just kind of putting in another plug for the CAE, how much I support that because it is really a way to differentiate our profession. It is. And that's a nice segue into our topic today, which is claim your expertise, because that's a way that you can set yourself apart as an individual and mm-hmm. your area of knowledge and experience and expertise. So there are four E's that you have shared with me, <laughs> and we're going to talk about all of them, experience, education, expectations, and engagement. That's and right. I loved how you said uh, expert. Expectations and engagement are kind of the throughput, so that's kind of like some of the outcomes that you might get. That's right. So let's start at the top, Mike. Experience.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, like I said earlier, one of the uh, one of the things that I I really kind of want people to to understand is that you know not everything in my life is is alphabetically by fours, but uh, <laughs> it does seem like uh, a lot of the time it's it's just a really good way to to kind of encapsulate something and to, to kind of help me fix it in my memory. So hopefully it has that uh, that similar effect for other people. But, uh, but yes, for, for those who've experienced the 4Fs, now we've got the 4Es. I'm sure at some point I'll have 4As to come back with, but uh, at the very least you can meet me at the 4H. And uh, the the, <laughs> the four E's, the idea of claiming your expertise, uh, really did kind of grow out of that that idea of uh, engaging with lawmakers and staff for me. You know, we we would bring people in every year for our legislative fly in. In fact, our most recent one just happened on September 20th. And one of the things that we would hear time and time again from people coming for the first time was, you know, I'm a little bit nervous about this. Who am I to be going in to, to talk to these people about these things? And it's that that sort of self-negation, that, that sort of minimizing of of yourself, uh, that that really I think had such a negative and counterproductive uh impact on these people's experiences that it became incumbent on us as as their association to help them understand that. They are experts, and they do have a valuable voice and uh, and an expertise that that needs to be shared on issues that that they have worked on their entire lives. You know, they they didn't necessarily realize that that in a legislative office, their issue may get you know this much attention over the course of a month, whereas it's something that they live and breathe on a daily basis. So. And-
0: I think that is an excellent point. You know, we need to remind each other that we are smarter than we give ourselves credit for. A lot of us do not give ourselves the credit we are owed because we are looked at or we might think we will be looked at Mm -hmm. as somebody who's blowing our own horn or too big for their britches or just like trying to tell everybody how wonderful they are. And maybe we should do that more often. And I think we need to encourage each other. But I also think we are always our own harshest critic, and that gets in that way of acknowledging our own expertise.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Uh, and it's it's something you know. It's funny. A, a college friend of mine was uh, was sharing something on social media this week uh, about what what's known as the ambition penalty, the idea mm-hmm. that uh, that. That especially women, if they're speaking up, if they're advocating for themselves, uh, there's not so much the the fear that that they don't know what they're talking about. It's the fear that they're going to be penalized for having the temerity to do so in the first place, mm-hmm. and and the chilling effect that that has, uh, you know, really goes a long way toward explaining the idea of the confidence gap, and yeah. that's something that that you know I think hopefully concepts like like this go a long way toward helping people to understand that that you know you do have value you do have worth and if you're not going to advocate for yourself it's all too easy for everybody else to d- diminish and dismiss you
0: that's right and i think diminish di- i'm sorry diminish i mean yeah difference. it's it's i'm going to have to work on that phrasing because
1: it's definitely doesn't roll off the tongue
0: but although we do have this new compact word diminish there you go uh, but we do diminish and dismiss women Mm -hmm. more often and as a woman i can attest to that uh and i think one of the issues with that is other women buy into it like Mm -hmm. oh well we shouldn't say anything we shouldn't speak up for ourselves and so i love that term the ambition penalty
1: yeah i had never heard it before but uh but it was something that that you know as soon as i read it it's like yeah that 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 fits
0: it, and that can also, and, I, and I'm sure that applies to men too. I don't think mm-hmm. that's just a woman thing, but I, I think anybody who's coming across as ambitious, you know, people mm-hmm. in today's world see ambition as not a good thing. No. We then measure success by how much money we have or how many companies we've bought or how many likes we have on Instagram.
1: Yeah.
0: And you so you say-
1: should get it, but you shouldn't want it.
0: Yes. Right. It's exactly. And it's like, and don't certainly don't talk about how hard you worked for it or how mm-hmm. you want it. And and then people try to make these things look very easy mm-hmm. when they are not necessarily easy. I mean, we all have the opportunity to succeed, but we're not all going to succeed at that level Yeah, that you see yeah. these people like on Instagram, like, like, uh, some people become super famous on Instagram very quickly. hmm and then other people they get like five followers you know so it doesn't yeah. work for everybody and i think that's an, another thing but coming back to you know the topic we're <laughs> yeah. as always mike and i are going off in another direction no, but, but i
1: think it all I, I do think it all ties together and and again i mean i think the 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 way to, to address this, to kind of inoculate yourself is to, to claim your expertise. And, and that starts with that first E, which is experience. Yes. You know, it's, it, it requires you to, to really kind of be a little bit introspective to, to take a step back and to, to look at uh, everything that, that has brought you to where you are today makes you who you are, mm-hmm. you know, your experiences, your, your lived experiences, your learned experiences, all of these things together make for a completely unique package that no one else in the world can claim. Mm-hmm. And and the thing is, in certain conversations, that is going to make you mm-hmm. the expert, whether you're acknowledged or not. And And the trick here then is getting to the point where you go beyond the, you know, I've got a point to I know what I'm talking about. You know, and that's, and that's that, that flip of that mindset that, that we really try to accomplish with, with our fly in participants is to get them past the, I have something to say to the, I have something to say.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And it, it really, it really does come down to, uh, to to building that confidence, and I think for us the first e, the step one is is experience. And what we what we encourage people to do is to to take a step back, to to kind of you know really walk yourself through the journey that has gotten you to where you are. You know, do you have ten years of hands on experience? Do you have you know a personal anecdote of a time when you were directly affected by the topic you're talking about? Do you have Published materials that uh, that that are out there in the world for people to look at to see that you know what you're talking about. And the thing is, even if the answer for any of those questions is no, that's not a reason for you to discard your your claim. Uh, what it is is an opportunity for you to think about. Okay, so so what do I have that that makes this something that I feel the need to talk about? Because if if you've been driven to talk about something, if, if there's something that you feel strongly enough about that you want to engage on it, clearly you've got some version of expertise that you can bring to bear to the topic. And even if that, that expertise is, is simply, you know, I've been around this my entire life, uh, it's still got value and it's, and the trick is learning how to frame that and how to, 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 Package that in a way that you can then share it with people to help them understand why you're claiming that expertise in the first place.
0: Well, and you know, you just reminded me of something my friend Agnes Amos Coleman told me years ago. Uh, She Mm -hmm. is also the former co host of this podcast when we were called chatting with Agnes and Cecilia. Mm -hmm. And she's written several books. Mm -hmm. And I said to her, you know, I do all the short form writing and I really enjoy writing and I would love to write a book, but I just wonder if I have anything to say that no one else has said. Mm-hmm. And she said, of course you do because it's your point of view and your yep. experience. So of course you have something to say and share. And so you should do it. I uh, have I yet written that book, not yet. <laughs> <laughs> I keep oh. making notes. I haven't sat down and done it yet. But uh, well, if people in my family quit breaking their hips, that would mm. be helpful, but <laughs> they're all doing well now. Good. So uh, we're getting on that. But that that's really the thing is really recognizing we're still as you just said so well we all mm. have our own experience to contribute to That's a right. topic or a right. question and and we have something valuable to share and it sounds like the education step, which is step number two uh-huh. of our four steps, is really the thing that was really helpful for your members when they're getting ready for a client.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's the, the, the interesting thing about education as one of the four E's is it kind of goes both ways. On the one hand, it is an input. It is you know one of the things that, that may shape your claim to expertise. But on the other hand, it, it's incumbent on you to then turn around and transmit that education out in a way that helps people to to see you as an expert. You know, your your education is what brought you to where you are today. Your educating of the people you're speaking to is what's going to help them understand you to be someone that they should be listening to. Mm-hmm. and so so for us the in in talking about the 4e's the education you know yes there's the the tips and tricks yes there's the you know helpful hints but there's also the the element of it that says you know i think you've got a perspective on this topic i think you've you've heard something from other people now let me share this with you Mm-hmm. and and i think that's that's something that i think can be challenging um because there is sort of a a a bit of a a predisposition in a lot of rooms uh to to ignore or to to talk over uh or to to get to a point where you know somebody is is basically invisible. Um mm-hmm. I know you just touched on that in in your newsletter that that went out last week. Um, you know, that that seems to me as something that really kind of requires this is this is the step that I think requires the greatest investment on the part of people to to claiming their expertise is kind of getting over that hump and and insisting that their, that their voice needs to be heard.
0: Well, and, it, and great, uh, thank you for mentioning last week's newsletter. Yeah, absolutely. That. So, but it it's really a complicated issue too, of getting people to speak up for themselves yeah. because you can educate people about how to get their message across, but can you educate self-confidence? Can you no. educate self-esteem? Can you educate developing a thicker skin when mm. people might react badly toward you for speaking up or... Towards what you have to say. Uh, I'm a very outspoken person. Anybody who's (laughs) ever met me knows that. Uh, I recently did a nonprofit executive spotlight uh, for someone who's looking for a job. And after we finished, he said, now tell me the truth. Give me a critique. Was that good enough? And I just looked at him and said, if it wasn't, I would have stopped you. (laughs) And nice. told you right away, because I've had people, I've stopped them five, six times and said, mm-hmm. no, you got to say that again, or we're just going to throw this one out and start over, you know, <laughs> so I really have no problem speaking up. But mm-hmm. when we're trying to do that, it's, it's really difficult when we live in an era where people are starting to push back and say, we're not listening enough to experts. Yeah. But it's like another conversation I had uh, last week on a networking group. Just because somebody's a doctor doesn't mean they're good at it. Yeah. <laughs> Just because somebody's a scientist doesn't mean they're good at it. Mm-hmm. And if we do some research, we can find there's lots of examples of people who have, you know, positions of respect that and, and professions that we look up to not being very good at it. <laughs> so, you know, you do have your expertise, like with your mm-hmm. members in the pet area, whether it's pet care or pet products. They have their experience. They do know what they're talking about. Even Mm. if it's a narrow area in their own mind, they probably have a lot more to offer. It's very similar to... When I used to work at the Academy of Otolaryngology years ago, mm-hmm. we did something called ENT Outreach, which was a marketing training program for the doctors to market their practices. And I would say, oh, well, you know, you can go out and give a speech like at the local chamber of commerce or garden club. And they would say, I can't do public speaking. And I would say, well, you do grand rounds, don't you? Mm-hmm. That's all that is. It's a presentation. And then the light would go on in their eyes. Oh, my gosh, she's right. I, I do that. So getting people to see how what they do translates to another area is also an important part of education, in my opinion.
1: You're right. And it it feeds directly into that third E, which is expectations. Mm -hmm. Uh, Expectations really exist on both sides of the equation, and they can be tremendously helpful or they can be a huge impediment to to truly claiming your expertise. Uh, You know, certainly there's the expectations of the the individual. Like you just said, I I can't do public speaking or, you know, this person doesn't care what I have to say. But the converse of that 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 can be existing even in the same interaction uh, is a legislative staffer waiting to hear from someone because they've come in with the established resume that says, you know, I've got 20 years on this subject. There's an expectation going into it that this person does have some sort of expertise or some sort of wisdom to impart. And so, you know, kind of getting over expectations and and maybe acknowledging them but not allowing them to to rule the conversation uh, really is an essential part of claiming your expertise you know if you go into a meeting expecting that people are going to shut you down or ignore you or dismiss you uh, you're going to come in smaller you're going to come in either, you know, in a defensive crouch, or you're going to come in ready to shrink and just, you know, kind of play the role that's already been dropped upon you. If instead you you transcend those expectations, uh, or you you instead choose to embrace your own expectations of the meeting, which is. I'm going to go in and I'm going to tell them, here's who I am and here's why you should be listening to me. Then instead you've, you've reframed the conversation in a way that, that you often going to find that the person on the other end is, is kind of compelled to go along with whether they, whether they want to or not.
0: And I, you know, and I, and I'm so glad that you uh, explained the expectation step so clearly, because I was like, well, whose expectations? And, mine and that's the, the question, audience? right? Yeah. So, yeah. And I think it is for both, uh, you know, because we don't want to have expectations that we're going to be ignored, but we also yeah. don't want expectations that are basically going to just go, oh, wow, exactly what you said. We're going to do whatever you tell us. And, right. and that's actually kind of a scary situation to be in too. <laughs> yeah, yeah it is. Like doing whatever you tell them, because then you're like, whoa, They need to think, you know, so that expectation that what you're bringing in your experience and expertise is going to get people to think, not just do what you tell them. And I think that's another expectation that we need to get out to people.
1: That's a good point yeah and there's there's a version of claiming your expertise that I think applies to organizations 501c groups and and trade associations and and in that case then the expectations element of it really takes on a whole nother level which is expectations of what the tone of the conversation is going to be before you even go in you know I I represent an organization that has members who uh, for for various reasons, uh, are, are demonized by, by various groups out there. And, and when my members go into a meeting, in some cases, there's an expectation, you know, that they're basically the monopoly guy on steroids, rubbing their hands together, you know, looking to, to pick people's pockets when they're not looking. Um, but it's important to kind of go in with such an element of transparency and engagement that they can very quickly put those expectations to bed. You know, it kind of ties back to that first F in my my four F's of legislative engagement. You need to put a face on things in order to, to get to a point where prejudices and expectations can be set aside and, and a more constructive conversation can take place.
0: And, Do you you also try to help people manage their expectations of the impact they're going to have when they're going to a fly in like, oh, sure, you're going to all these meetings, Mm -hmm. but it's not necessarily that we're going to get the outcome we want?
1: It's it's definitely part of the process for for a fly in, Um, you know, managing expectations really in in any interaction is is so important because, you know, this is stuff that that we may work on on a daily basis. But for for our fly in participants, it's something that they're they're carving time out of their day to do maybe the only time the entire year. Um, You know, certainly if if we're doing our job right, they're engaging more frequently than that. But uh, but for somebody who's who's going in without a real, you know, kind of a a, a full expectation of of what the likelihood of something moving is, uh, it can be a daunting process and it can be kind of demoralizing to know, you know, OK, I'm coming back for my third fly in. And, oh, look, we're talking about the same issue again because it didn't pass last time.
0: Yeah, it can't Yeah, that is such a good point. Uh, lobbying. Yeah. And advocacy can be so demoralizing and discouraging and disappointing because yeah, yeah. it's really, if you watch any movie from the early 20s <laughs> now about how government works, it's like, you will see, it's like, I tell people that, uh, comedy, thank you for smoking is like a mm-hmm. documentary about, oh, yeah. lobbying, and people are like, are you serious? I'm like, afraid. So, <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Unfortunately, so yeah,
1: I, I think Frank Capra really sold us a bill of goods, but, yeah. uh,
0: Yeah, he did. He did. But when one of the things I take away from Mr. Smith goes to Washington is Mm -hmm. here's this guy thinking naively the Mm -hmm. world is one way, but it's really different. Mm -hmm. And and that's really already in the 1930s. Government was like that. So I think that's really, you know, it takes a lot of patience and commitment and you have to be in it for the long haul.
1: Well, and sure. I mean, it, it's the same when when the same plot comes back around in Legally Blonde too, 60 years later, you know, you're uh, you know, you're dealing with something that's really kind of a universal truism.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's so funny. You mentioned that. I just watched that again last week.
1: I watched it with my girls. They uh, oh, they they didn't enjoy it as much as the first one, but uh, but they definitely enjoyed the uh, the DC shout outs.
0: Yeah, it's like. It was kind of, um, I, yeah. I have to say, I agree with them. It's not as charming as the first one. No, no, no. Uh, where I, I
1: love Dana oh, Ivy, though. I'm a big fan of of anything she's in.
0: Oh yeah, she is so good in that. And I just, you know, and I do love the uh, character, the Reese Witherspoon's character. Her enthusiasm and positivity. Yes, yes. She just keeps getting back up, even if she gets oh, knocked no. down. So. And
1: she's a great example of a character that's that's willing to claim her expertise. Yes. You know, she's somebody she's somebody who is is so easy to be put in a box and dismissed and yet she, you know, she just perseveres and and she she goes she kind of takes it as as a challenge to to show people that their their expectations were based on something that was a prejudice of theirs and and was not in any way reflective of of who she was.
0: And and I think that's a great point because people underestimate her. Yes. Because of her positivity and her love of fashion, (laughs) so people just underestimate her. And I think that she, the L character that she plays in Mm -hmm. Legally Blonde One and Two, is a great segue into engagement because of the way that that character not only owns her expertise but she is able to go out and talk to other people yes and use her expertise to convince them to support her activities
1: that's right. That's right. She brings them to where she is. And and that is that fourth E, engagement. Uh you know, it's all well and good to to have all of this stuff nailed. You know, you can have all the experience in the world, you can be the most highly educated person in your field, but if you're not out there engaging people on it, if you're not out there helping them to understand not only the the what but the why, then you're really not going to, to be able to effectively claim your expertise, you're at best going to be a footnote. Mm-hmm. And, and that's not what we're encouraging our people to do. We don't want them to, to be a valuable resource. We want them to be a valuable partner. And, and part of being a partner is showing people that not only do you have that expertise, but you have the ability to help them apply it in ways that are beneficial to them as well.
0: Well, and I think the great thing about the four E's is how you have outlined how you use it to help your members Mm -hmm. find their mojo or
1: (laughs) or expertise,
0: you know, uh, to to say, hey, I do know what I'm talking about. Uh, But I think this is also a great thing. Not only can other people look at this and say, well, I could help my members too, Mm -hmm. but I think individuals can use this. Oh,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Totally.
0: You know, so... Uh, don't want to put you on the spot because this is not a gotcha kind of podcast, but, you know, what do you think, do you have any examples of how like an individual might be able to take these four things and, and use them to find their own mojo expertise?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. No, I think uh, I think this claiming your expertise is is really just a, a broad way of saying, um, you know, making yourself ready to show up. It's making yourself ready to to be taken seriously in in any conversation, and that can be you know as as simple as a, a salary negotiation. Uh, it can be when interviewing for positions that maybe you know you don't have a hundred percent of what they're looking for right there on your resume, but you you do have the ability to help them understand you know how what you do say and how you what you have done uh, really does help them kind of close those gaps. Um, it can be for things like, like leading a charge for some sort of uh, a a local effort. Um, you know, lately I've been inundated with a lot of things for my, my daughter's PTAs and claiming your expertise in, in that sphere is important as well, because it really does make the difference between an ask that goes nowhere and an ask that convinces people to, to step up and to, to make the fall festival a success.
0: And, you know, and that's a great example. Uh, I have a lot of that in my own uh, life experience in my neighborhood. I'm an active mm-hmm. volunteer at my community association. And so, oh, yeah, you know, people try to bring their expertise. I stepped away from organizing our annual Halloween event this year. I've been doing it since 2017. And then somebody else stepped up and said, oh, well, I'm an event planner. I'll do go. it. It's like, great, you know, great, wonderful. So she'll probably do an even better job than we've been doing. <laughs> The last no. few years, so you know, you you do have to let other people own their expertise too, because yeah. we none of us knows everything. And
1: that's an interesting point. And 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 you know, you say it, and and when I hear you say it, it, it's true. You know, it's it's all well and good for for each of us to be you know striding through the world like giants, claiming our expertise left and right. But there is a transactional element to this, and that is, you know, I can I can claim as much expertise as I choose to. But there needs to be a reciprocal acceptance of that expertise mm-hmm. in order for it to, to truly have an effect. You know, if I claim my expertise and the response I get is, yeah, right, uh, or worse, you know, deafening silence, then claiming the expertise hasn't really had its intended effect so there does need to be an element of of again in that it, that final e in the engagement of of bringing the other person in the transaction to where you are so that you can move forward together
0: oh that that is great a uh, great point uh and sometimes i was just thinking as as i was listening to your comment i was just thinking sometimes You have to claim expertise Mm -hmm. because it's kind of thrust upon you.
1: That's true. You're
0: doing work and you're starting to become recognized in that area without realizing it because maybe you're not working toward becoming an expert on a topic. But Mm -hmm. then people start to look at you as an expert on a topic and you're like, oh, I guess I am, you know, it's, it's sort of like having greatness thrust upon yeah. you as the old saying goes, you know, sometimes we have our expertise thrust upon us, because we're doing the work. Mm-hmm. And so we don't really think about that. So you know, an example from, from my experience is ethics, I've been doing an ethics course with Cheryl Rock for a number of years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and people will call me up and say, you know, about ethics, I have a question. Mm-hmm. And so that you know that actually makes me feel good because all this work I've been doing, people are noticing it. So yeah, you no.
1: Know,
0: so if if somebody's thrusting uh, your expertise on you, you should own it. <laughs> well, that's, I mean,
1: that was the experience that I had here at the Pet Advocacy Network. I mean, I I came on board as a as a government affairs person. You know, mm-hmm. I that was my background. I understood the the legislative process, uh, but by a series of of actions that happened. In and around the organization, uh, I ended up being, you know, elevated into the position of, of president and CEO uh, without any real background in association management. You know, that's where that's where the the CAE program became an invaluable resource for me because you know I had had this this expertise thrust upon me, and and so it became a necessity for me to go ahead and actually earn it you know, to, to, to backfill with the expertise that I needed to do the job that I'd been asked to do.
0: See, and that, I love that example because you were put into a position and you knew you didn't know everything. So let's <laughs> go find out what I don't know. And I wish more people thought like that. It's wow. like Donald Rumsfeld used to talk about the known unknowns.
1: That's right. That's like right.
0: We know what we don't know. So we better go figure it out. <laughs> so, I just think that's wonderful. So, yeah. well, this has been, uh, as usual, a rousing conversation. I love uh, it. I say as usual because you and I tend to have other off-camera conversations that we for enjoy. Sure. So it's always great talking with you and having you back. And I know you'll be back again. Oh. Uh, maybe, <laughs> I don't know if everybody caught your comment earlier about meet you at 4-H. But <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was great. Yeah. For- Those people in our audience who are not living in the United States, you may not Ah. be familiar with the 4-H club and the 4-H club is a club where uh, young people can learn about farming and animal husbandry and those sorts of things. So you may not have 4-H in your country, you may have something else, but that's why I laughed so hard when he said (laughs) 4-H earlier.
1: I'm glad you caught it
0: got the four F's and the four E's and the four H clubs. So, uh, but they don't have a bar at the four H club. So you can't meet there for drinks unless you're sorry about that probably. Yeah. So you have to go to another club for that. And Mike, I'm sure you will come up with another list of four things <laughs> uh, that we can talk about in the future. Well, oh, so- I
1: appreciate these opportunities, Cecilia. It's always great talking to you. And, uh, and this is just a terrific program. You've, you've put out some really valuable stuff for people. So if I can be even a small part of that, I'm happy to.
0: Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Uh, I do enjoy doing this. I love talking with people about all kinds of different things. And uh, people have questioned how my mind works on occasion. (laughs) You don't say. (laughs) That's that's another thing. But thank you, Mike. I really enjoy it. And you bring so much and in in such an informative, easily accessible way. Oh, thank you. And as you know, because you have been on before, I like to ask my guest for the one thought you would like the audience to take away today mm-hmm. and how they can get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more or just connect with you.
1: Sure. I think for this one, the one thought is actually really easy. And that is whether you realize it or not, you do have expertise that is valuable and is something that other people need to hear. And the, the trick of it is to get yourself to the point where you're comfortable claiming that and then engaging with people to bring it into the world. If you're interested in in getting to know more about the Pet Advocacy Network, the work that we do, uh, you can join us at petadvocacy.org. And if you're interested in picking my brain and finding out what I like besides legally blonde too, uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. And uh I I am just Mike Bober. Yeah, Thank, thankfully there aren't that many of us out there.
0: <laughs> it's you know it is nice having a unique name exactly i, I agree <laughs> so well wonderful conversation as always well, thanks uh thanks for the I time wanna, you are welcome i want to thank you again for joining me and uh we have to go rogue for now but we'll be back next time with with another exciting episode so don't forget to subscribe you don't want to miss anything we're on all your favorite platforms If you'd like to learn more about Rogue Tulips Consulting and how we can help your organization bloom outside the box, check out our website, RogueTulips.com, and we're always happy to set up a conversation. If you are, like Mike, seeking education on nonprofit management, check out our education program, the 501C League. It is so big, it has its own website, the 501 cleaguenet Thanks again, everyone, for joining us, and on behalf of myself and Mike, we'll see you next time.